Yeah, so my name's Kate, and I am a compulsive overeater and restrictor. Hi. Um, so, whew, yeah. Um, so for those of you who know me or have seen me in meetings, you'll know that I do not talk very much. I rarely ever make it to the three-minute timer. Uh, so 25 minutes is a pretty high bar for me. Um, and I actually, I was, I was discussing this with a PIR, and she told me that um, it would be okay because if I talk and I say everything I could possibly say and I leave at least eight minutes on the timer, then I can just do the rest of my time in interpretive dance. <laughs> so um, with that hanging over my head, I feel like I have a really strong motivation to talk for as, as the entire 25 minutes now. Uh, so yeah. Um, and I, you know, I haven't been to a lot of speaker marathons. This is the first time I've been a speaker, so I probably may not have understood the assignment very well. Um, but I'm just gonna talk and see what, what happens here. Um, so uh, what it used to be like. Um, so I grew up in Detroit originally. Um, I am the middle of five kids in an Irish Catholic family. Um, my family is so Catholic that, in fact, my mom was a nun and my dad was a priest, and that's how they met. And, um, yeah. And, uh, yeah. Uh, and my parents were lovely people, but they actually weren't that into being parents. Um, so I grew up kind of feral. Um, and my family is, uh, is riddled with addiction. Right, Irish Catholics, there's a lot of alcoholism in my family, there's a lot of gambling in my family. And at the time, I thought like, oh, I totally, I totally made it through without being an alcoholic, right? So I'm like free of addiction, this is great. Uh, except not really. Um, so I, um, uh, there's also, there was also um, a fair amount of mental illness in my family and a fair amount of abuse in my history that includes physical abuse, sexual abuse. Um, it, was, it was pretty unfortunate at the time. Um, and uh, food became my escape, you know? It became, it became my refuge. It was just, it was my everything at the time. And I, um, I, remember um, being a kid, my mom was, uh, she was agoraphobic, so she had problems leaving the house. Uh, and my dad was a workaholic and he wasn't around very much. So we had this problem that my mom would get it together, go grocery shopping, and there'd be a ton of food in the house, right? And we would eat like it was Thanksgiving. Like it was just amazing. Like, and it was, we just fed ourselves and did whatever. and. Um, and in about three or four days, we would run out of food, and my mom couldn't do anything about it. So we then we would then it would go into like okay, um, where where is the hidden food, right? Because there was always hidden food in the house. You had to hoard something in order to make it through these times. So this was this was my re early relationship with food. Is that, you know, we came up with these strategies that. Um, you know, you would, you would hide things, you would get really good hiding places. And then if you didn't have anything, the strategy would be to find the can opener. Because if you did not have any hidden food, but you could get your hands on the can opener, then you had a negotiation piece, right? And that's just how it worked. Um, 
so when my dad was around, um, he would just like order pizzas and, and just bring in food to the house. And it was like, so food from him was like his love, right? So we had, we would have, you know, he would, he would come home for dinner, order a bunch of pizzas, and you had to be at the door when the pizza guy came. Because by the time the boxes hit the table, they were already empty, right? Because I grew up with, I grew up with a bunch of teenage boys in the house, and they could never get enough. So, and if I did, wasn't there fighting for my share, then I didn't get my share either. Um, so, and then uh, my relationship with my mom is really complicated. Uh, so she. Uh, put me on a pay and way program when I was really young. I was six years old when I first started. Uh, she was on it. My aunts were all on it. So we would all go together as a family. This was like a family event. All the women went to Weight Watchers and all the guys stayed home and drank beer and watched football. And this is what we did. Um, and uh, my... <laughs> My relationship with my mom um, was very centered around around my weight. Uh, she um, put a lot of a lot of emphasis on that being the value. Like this is my value. Like this is how I'm 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 better when I'm smaller, and being any bigger than that is just not okay. Um, I have seen a lot of nutritionists and, and doctors and all kinds of things all the way through uh, my childhood in order to fix this problem that I had. So I came to this understanding that um, my relationship with food was mostly about me just not trying hard enough, right? So I could lose weight for a short period of time if I tried really hard and then as soon as I stopped trying, I would gain all the weight back. So clearly, it was my fault. It was something that I was doing wrong. Um, if, uh, um, I, um, let's see. So when, when, um, when I was like 18 or 19, I, uh, I left my family home, and my mom kind of made this deal with me that she was like, okay, I was, I was moving out of state, I was going away, and she kind of made this deal that was like, okay, well, you're gonna go, and you can come back whenever you have an education, you're making good money, and you're thin. Like, that's when you can come back. So that was 20 years ago, um, and in 20 years, I haven't really been back home. The only time I've gone home is I went home for three days when my dad died, I went home for two days when my brother got married, and I went home when my mom died. And then not really any other time after that. So, um, so I, I went off to college, I moved around a lot, I went somewhere and I was like, okay, I'm gonna, I'm gonna do this, like I can do this, I can get an education, I can make a lot of money, I can get skinny, I can do all of these things. And I just kept failing. So I would fail, and then I'd be like, okay, something's not wrong here, so, or something's not right here. So I would just move somewhere else, and I would start over again, right? I'm like, I'm gonna do it this time. This time it's gonna be the time that I'm gonna do it. I know I can do this. 
and again and again and again. I went through, uh, I think, 14 different colleges trying to get a bachelor's degree. I went through nine different cities trying to figure out the prob my problem, basically, because this is, it was my job to fix this problem, and then, and then maybe I could go back home after I got it. Um, so I continue to spend money as an adult on nutritionists, diets, personal trainers. Um, I moved to Hawaii for two years. When I lived in Hawaii, I uh, decided I was gonna get a degree in tropical agriculture. I worked on a farm, I grew all my own food, I became a raw vegan, um, all of my food was organic, I picked oranges off the trees myself, I grew all my own produce, I mean I couldn't have had a cleaner diet as far as I was concerned. And I was completely crazy. Like that's probably the craziest I've ever been. It was like I was so obsessed with making sure that it was organic and making sure that it was healthy and like how much am I eating and how much weight am I losing um, that I really couldn't, I lived in Hawaii for two years, two and a half years and I don't remember any of it other than the food. Like I didn't, I know I went to the beach a couple times and, and not really much else, but I didn't experience living there. I only experienced being in my disease. Um, so I graduated from college from University of Hawaii, right? I got my degree finally, and I called my mom. And I was like, I did it. Like, I, this is the beginning of this deal that we made, right? So I call my mom, and I tell her, I'm super excited, and I tell her I graduated from college, right? And the only thing she says to me is, are you skinny yet? And I was like, no. And then I hung up the phone. I didn't talk to her for like three more years. Um, so um, I, uh, at that point, um, I came back to Seattle. I kind of trashed the rest of what I was doing with school. Um, I had the opportunity. I had a full ride. Is that 10 already? Yes, I'm doing it. <laughs> okay, um, I, had, I had done really well in school. I got a full ride to go to grad school in Oregon. I had it all set up and they, they contacted me and was like, okay, so this is your living stipend and this is, your, this is how much money you're gonna make and you're gonna have a, you have a built-in job of being a TA, like a teaching assistant. It's like, perfect, like this is what I wanna do. And I looked at the amount of money they were gonna give me. It's like, I'm gonna starve to death on this. Like there is no way I can live, I can't eat on this amount of money. Now the truth was, is that I couldn't binge on that amount of money. Right? It wasn't that I couldn't survive on it, but I was so in my disease at that point that I walked away from it. I was like, nope, can't do this. I'm done, can't go. And at the time, um, my, my best friend came to the belief that it was actually my partner at the time that convinced me not to go because she didn't want to move to Oregon and it was this big thing. So I allowed my best friend and my partner to get in this huge feud over this that they're still in 10 years later, I've never said anything about it, that they're in this feud over thinking that the other one caused me not to go to grad school when really it was just me being in my disease. So I'm on nine right now, there's a bunch of amends in there. <laughs> um, yeah, so um, 
So there's, it's funny to me sometimes the things that you remember, like you just pick these little things up here and there. And uh, recently I heard this poem uh, and the poem says, if someone else doesn't want me, it's not the end of the world. But if I don't want myself, the world is nothing but endings. And that's what I came from. My world was always nothing but endings because I did not want myself. I had absolutely no interest whatsoever. Um, so then what happened, right? So um, I'm going along and I end up, uh, there's some custody situation with my daughter and I'm gonna end up being full-time single parent. I'm like, I cannot do this by myself. I'm freaking out. I'm gonna go see a therapist, right? My therapist says, you need to go to OA. I'm like, I'm not going to OA, that's ridiculous, right? So I agree that I'll go to one meeting, I'm gonna go to one meeting. And um, I'm sitting there like this, I'm like, this is garbage, whatever, whatever you people are saying. And I was absolutely adamant that I was gonna come to OA and then I was gonna go back to my therapist and I'm gonna say, this is just like everything else, it doesn't work, nothing works. Nutritionists don't work, diets don't work, exercise doesn't work, nothing works, there is no solution to this problem. So um, I, uh, I started coming, I was going to meetings, I was listening, and then you know, I hear in, uh, in the meeting script that it says, oh, you should go to six different meetings. And I was like, fine, I'll, I'm gonna be like an OA ninja, because I had this idea that like, people only went to their home meeting, right? I'm like, I'm gonna go to different meetings and nobody's gonna know that I'm moving around, right? <laughs> So, so I started going to different meetings and, uh, and these, these things start happening, right? So the, the first meeting I went to, um, I go back one more time to that meeting and somebody's like, this lady's like super excited to see me. I'm like, okay. And she's like, I have something for you. I have something for you. And she brings me this one day coin right, one day coin, and she gives it to me. And she didn't buy like a whole bunch of coins. They don't give out one day coins at that meeting. She went somewhere else, saw it, thought of me, bought it for me, brought it back for me, not knowing if she was ever gonna see me again and gives it to me, right? And I'm looking at it and I'm just like, okay, uh, all right. And I don't even think I said thank you because at that point in time, I was, so confused, I could not understand that somebody who doesn't know me would do something for me, right? It's not in my belief system at all. Um, and then, so I'm going around to these different meetings, and I walk into a meeting, and I hear somebody say my name, and I'm like, um, why does this random dude know my name? Like, why would somebody bother to remember my name? Like, this does not make sense to me. Um, I'm at another meeting and I'm having a really hard time and my MO in the meetings is to like go in and get out. Like don't let people talk to you, don't make eye contact, like don't let them know you're here, sit in the back, be quiet. And so sometimes, so at the end of the meeting, sometimes I'll put chairs away or something and like do whatever. And this person stops me and she's like, how are you doing? I'm like, yeah, good, thank you, okay. And she's like, no, no, really, how are you doing? I'm like, why do you care? Like, why would you actually want to know the answer to that question? Um, and, uh, and so I'm going along and I'm like, I hit a point, November, I'm like, nope, you know, I'm not gonna go anymore. This is ridiculous, right? So I miss one meeting and I'm like, forget it, not going. And um, I guess I can be, I consider myself what's called a low bottom. 
right? So I'm down there. Um, and when I left, um, I made a series of really bad decisions and I hit a bottom that was something that I'd never even seen before. I was like, this is way past what I even thought was possible. And, um, and then I decided that I just, I didn't wanna do it anymore. I just don't wanna do it anymore. I don't wanna live anymore. I'm done, right? And I experienced the most amazing thing. I experienced surrender for the first time ever because there was an answer that was gonna end my pain where I never was able to find that before. Like it was gonna be over and done, right? So I come up with a plan, I'm like, yeah, so my daughter's gonna need my life insurance policy so it needs to look like an accident and I have this whole thing that I'm gonna do and I'm in it and I'm doing it and a couple days go by, I'm laying in bed, it's a Friday night and I just have this experience where I'm told, my higher power, that uh, tomorrow morning you're gonna go to the Saturday morning meeting and you're gonna get a sponsor. And I already knew who my sponsor was supposed to be. My higher power had already told me who my sponsor was. And I was like, no, I'm not getting a sponsor. I don't need a sponsor. None of this needs to happen. And it was like, no, you're going to go. You're going to talk to her. She's going to be your sponsor. And I was like, um, what, she's not even going to be there. She'll be there. Okay. I'm like, I fall asleep. Next thing I know, I'm already at the meeting. I don't even remember getting there. I'm just there. And I'm staring at the back of her head through the whole meeting. And I'm like, uh, okay, like, so I'm, I'm like trying to like put chairs away and not have anyone talk to me because if somebody talks to me, then she's gonna leave and I'm not gonna get to talk to her. So I'm like doing this thing. And uh, finally, like most people have left and she's there and I just walk up to her and I'm like, hi, can you be my sponsor? <laughs> and uh, she says no and then I start to cry. And then she's like, I'll be your temporary sponsor. Um, but then she kept me because I'm awesome. Um, so my step work, um, so basically step one, right, is to me, it's like, are you done? Are you really, really done? It's like, um, yeah, I'm done. I'm really, 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 really done, okay? I can't negotiate anymore. I don't have another start over on Monday. I don't have another it's okay because you're on vacation. I don't have it in me to do any of that anymore. Um, I came across uh, the, these ideas that you pick up. So one of the things I always hear when it's in the, in the big book is uh, rigorous honesty. And I can never remember the R word, so I started calling it ridiculous honesty. And I'm like, yes, this is what I'm going to do. I'm going to be ridiculously honest. And that was the first thing that I started with. I was like, I, I'm just going to say stuff. Like, it's just going to happen. And... Um, and it was so freeing to like be honest for the first time in my life. And uh, I went to a retreat where they were talking all about the history of the big book and how it all came to be and like Roland Hazard and Ebby and like there's all these like million people that came together to like make this all happen. And it's like all seems like chance a lot of it, like these chance encounters with people. This person introduced that person to that person. And if that hadn't happened, maybe none of us would be in a 12 step program now. And when I, ex when I experience my own process, I'm like, I have all of that, 
right? I have my own Roland Hazard and I have my own Evie and I have my own Bill Dotson. Like I have all these people that just one day I was in a room with you and you said something that changed my life. And maybe we've never talked and maybe like you don't even know who I am or know that I was there, but I was there. And it, it, that's my part of my recovery process. Um, uh, so I started moving on with the steps. Um, two and three were great because I already kind of came in with a higher power. My higher power tells me to go and talk to people all the time. So I'm okay with that. Um, four and five. Five was amazing to me because I have lied my entire life about who I am. And then I have... <laughs> Now I'm in trouble because I'm not going to be able to get it all out. Um, <laughs> come see me after for the rest of my story. Um, so I, uh, five, it was amazing to have one person know my entire story because I've been really careful about like this person can have this piece and this person gets this piece, but nobody gets all of it ever. And now I have somebody that has all of it. Um, six and seven was like freedom. It was amazing. And then I hit eight. I was like, uh, this is, I'm done now. We're good. Eight. Can't make a list. Not making a list. Because both of my parents are gone. Um, I have a brother that doesn't talk to me. I have a best friend from like 13 years ago that I totally wrecked that relationship. I was super mean to him. And he like moved to Thailand. And I'm like, I'm never going to find this guy, right? I'm not going to find these people. I can't do amends. So um, my, my sponsor set up for me to talk to a PIR who um, experience, experiences having to do an amends with your mother after she passed. And this amazing conversation with her. And I was like, all right, I'm going to pray that I can just let this stuff with my mom go, and then I can move on, right? So I do that. Go home, feeling really good. I write out my eighth step. I go to bed. In the morning, I come out, realize my car has been broken into. And the only thing that's been stolen is my bag with my eighth step, with my fourth step on it that had all my resentments of my mother written on it. And I'd prayed to be like, can I let this go? And then my higher power was like, sure, I will take it for you. <laughs> so, um, so, and you know, there's that part in the, in step one that's like, um, you, your life becomes unmanageable when you get a flat tire and you get, you computer doesn't work and all that. And I was like, my car window just got smashed in and I'm okay. I'm fine. Right. This is good. So, um, and you know, I'm thinking like, well, this person who is doing smash and grabs in a parking lot in the middle of the night, maybe is feeding an addiction problem and maybe it's not lost on them that all they got was a bag full of 12 step material. <laughs> um, so then through an amazing series of, cons of circumstances, right? I'm like, I'm missing this notebook that I lost because I had everything, everything I've ever done in OA is in this notebook. So I get a phone call from a PIR that some random person found my notebook on the street along with my 12 and 12. So they looked up the closest OA meeting. They called the contact person for that meeting who just so happens to know that my car got broken into and I lost my stuff. She went and meet, she goes downtown and meets this guy and just brings me back my notebook. And I was like, all right. So, um, <laughs> so then, and then, you know, I have, I have these other people, like my friend from 13 years ago that I'm never going to find, except one day when I walk into a restaurant and guess who's standing in front of me? 
like literally in front of me on the other side of the door facing me as I walk in. Like not just we were in the restaurant together, he was right there. And I saw him and I'm like, panic because he hates me because of this fight we had, except he was happy to see me. And he didn't know I ever moved back from Hawaii. And he thought that's why we lost touch. He didn't even remember the fight at all. Um, this brother that I have that doesn't ever talk to me called me recently. You know, so my higher power is just constantly, constantly telling me it's going gonna, it's gonna to work out. It's going to unfold. It's going to happen. And I'm like, OK, I will accept that now. Maybe I'll stop fighting this quite so much. Um, so I did want to tell how much time do I have? <laughs> so, <laughs> no interpretive dance for you. Um, I, I did want to talk about how I value my recovery um, because I don't, I don't measure my recovery in my days of abstinence or my weight loss or any of that. And I've, I have abstinence, I've experienced weight loss, and that's all fantastic, but that's side effects. For me, I value my recovery in the experiences that I have that are firsts, right? The first time... I'm sitting with my daughter, and she's just being 12, and just blah, 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 and I'm not irritated by her. I can just sit there and love her, and not have to feel like I can have to control what she's doing, and tell her to stop it, and tell her to behave. She's just being 12, and I can just love her and appreciate her. Um, the first time I gave up the scale and was able to say that my weight is not of the valuation of who I am as a person, right? The first time that I was able to say that the ex abuse that I experienced as a child was not my fault. The first time that I was able to look at somebody, hear them talk about being in recovery, and I actually believed that recovery was possible. Or the first time that I believed that recovery was possible for me too. Um, the first time that uh, I was able to look at my, myself in the mirror and look at myself in the eye and not see shame and self-loathing. Um, yeah, so that's where I'm at now. And thank you all for listening. Thank you.